we are at a time where there's a lot of uncertainty around baseball and and I, and I do think the Cubs are in a pretty like stable position to where they can make those decisions and take on uh, more risk to get some of that star level talent you need in October. If you had the chance to have a beer with your favorite baseball player, what would you talk about? Would you ask the same tired questions like every reporter after the game? How did you feel? What was going through your mind? Yada, yada, yada. Probably not. It's time you hear the stories that these players have never told. This is the Setup Man Podcast, where we have conversations that every fan wants to hear and the stories that every player and coach deserve to share. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, Setup Nation? We have got another episode of Rumor Has It and very excited to have Patrick Mooney on the show. He's a senior writer for The Athletic. We're going to be talking about the Cubs today. Uh, quick backstory, guys. I was actually at a Giants game. That's how Patrick and I met. And that was like, Patrick, the game. I talked to you and I was like, yeah, I don't see Stroman was pitching that day. We were both mm. like, yeah, he's not on the team in a couple months here. And <laughs> every single stat that came out for like the rest of the year was dating back to that <laughs> June 9th game that I met you at and, and how the Cubs have the best record or one of the best records since June 9th. So, I mean, I'm giving us some credit. We kind of sparked them a little bit. <laughs> so, well, but- I, I do love, uh, it's called Oracle park now. So I always space, yeah. uh, that is, uh, one of, if not my favorite, uh, stadium in baseball and the press box there is very close to the field and open air and just an awesome environment. And yeah, that was Cubs had just been swept in Anaheim. We we're all yep. assuming they'd be selling, uh, at the, at the trade deadline. Uh, the Cubs did regroup that night with Stroman. They had a couple good kind of meetings to, to refocus. And I think the next day, Kyle Hendricks almost like took a no hitter, maybe into the eighth inning, if that sounds yeah. right. And so, yeah. Uh, just a very, and especially unpredictable season uh, around the Cubs when you look at certain snapshots like uh, that first night in San Francisco to the trade deadline to just an epic collapse at the end of the season. There are so many things surrounding this team this offseason. I want to start with the biggest clickbait out there is Otani right now, right? Mm-hmm. And yesterday we just heard that the Rangers are out, apparently, an AL East team is out, apparently, and it's seeming more and more like there's probably three, four, maybe a fifth team that is down to the wire here. And the Cubs being one of them, Dodgers, Giants, Blue Jays, maybe the Angels are still in play. It feels like there's a real shot at this point. And you keep hearing some of these other rumors of the, this is the Cubs number one priority. Um, do you see this being the priority? And also uh, what, what happens if they don't get Otani? Well, look, I think the most people, there are very select few who know what Otani wants. And I have, uh, you know, I would not trust a lot of the information out there. I think a lot of it is kind of like some guesswork and piecing things together. And, um, you know, this is ultimately driven by what Otani wants. He can sort of name his destination, name his price as a, kind of a once in a lifetime negotiation, a very unusual uh, situation. We know the Cubs uh, are going to be in this for as long as they can. We know that he decided to meet with him uh, a while ago. And so 
sorry, sorry, when he first came over from Japan. So um, I think you kind of have to let this play out. Like the way this is not a, a normal free agency where you kind of hear stuff here and there, or you can kind of get a better read on what the player wants. Like this is kind of totally uh, shrouded in mystery. And um, I think the Cubs kind of went into this knowing it's a long shot because most of these big deals are. And, you know, from there, there's so many different ways that they can pivot. Yeah. Well, and, and one of those ways that they can pivot, especially with Cody Bellinger looking like he's probably not returning. Uh, at least that seems to be the whispers. It seems like Pete Crow Armstrong is really going to be the guy in center field. Even if Bellinger does return a chance that he goes to first base and, and PCA is in center field. How much pressure is there on guys like PCA, uh, Alexander Canario, and especially Cade Horton coming up if the Cubs don't make some big splashes this offseason? Um, huge, huge potential in the farm system, but it feels like if, if these Cubs are going to rely too much on the farm system, that there could be added pressure uh, for the 2024 season. Well, I mean, pressure is just a part of it. I think, I do think the Cubs will be transactional to try and move some of their minor league pieces to get major league talent. I think with Pete Crow Armstrong specifically, his September call up, um, you know, showed he still has, you know, some learning to do. Yeah. And I think the Cubs, whenever they bring him up, will want him to like bat ninth and focus on defense uh, and try to give him some runway uh, that way versus being like, you're the franchise savior. I think it's trying to create something similar to how um, Javi Baez came up and was able to move around and make contributions with his defense and his base running and kind of grow into and earn larger opportunities. And, you know, another unknown with this too is, you know, how is Craig Council going to manage this team? And that's not a knock on David Ross and young talent or kind of inexperienced guys. We saw Justin Steele emerge as an all-star uh, Cy Young candidate this year. And Ross definitely uh, was in his corner. You saw them rebuild uh, bullpen on the fly. Uh, he certainly trusted Nico Horner to grow into a gold glove defender and really a foundational piece for this team. So I, I think like there, I'm not expecting like to go to spring training in February and, you know, the Cubs are only pointing to their prospects. Like I would expect, you know, multiple significant additions to the major league roster. Cool. I mean, especially with them having, what was it? Six of the top 100 prospects. It feels like there's going to be some version of a trade this off season as well. There's some really good starting pitching on the free agent market, but in terms of position players, you've got Otani, you got Bellinger, you got Chapman, and that feels like it's about it. A uh, lot of third basemen, trade rumors, a lot of first baseman trade rumors. What actually has some legs on it that you see being a real possibility? Um, we've heard Bichette, we've heard Vlad, we've heard Pete Alonzo. What, what is actually something that you could see being realistic? And what do the Cubs have to give up in your mind to get something like that? Well, I believe uh, my colleague at the Athletic, Ken Rosenthal, reported that you know Toronto trading their um, 
you know, core hitters is unlikely when they want to win next year. But, you know, I, I do think it's still unanswered. Like, where will Christopher Morel play? Where will he fit? There are certainly teams that could be um, interested in him as a low-cost guy that, you know, could play him at second base, which is probably his best position. And he's not going to supplant uh, Nico Horner. I mean, the Cubs have been looking into all these possibilities and that's probably the biggest idea I would underline this off season that they can do. They'll be in the deal flow for just about anything. And Kyle, you know, we're talking about this before we started recording, like, yeah, they kind of need, you know, at least like one more, you know, legit starting pitcher and they'll probably get more depth beyond that. They need to revamp their bullpen. Uh, they don't have an obvious, opening day starter at first base or third base. So they have some, some options there um, replacing Cody Bellinger in center field. Maybe there is some combination of Crow Armstrong, Canario, Mike Talkman, but um, again, it'll be interesting to see how Craig council weighs on this because the brewers were a very good mix and match team uh, for a while. And he has worked in the front office before and will have, sharp insights into you know how the brewers viewed the cubs and really got the best of the cubs uh in, in recent years and you have um a ton of money available money coming off the books after this year and really the the pieces to make just about any deal you'd want i know christopher morell's name has been out there in trade talks i know that there's also a whole third base and from a fan's perspective you see the cubs having a hole at third you see this electric bat you see this high ceiling in a guy like morell electric energy as well and it just seems like well that's where he was coming up in the minors as well third base second base why not give him a shot especially after a year where they gave nick madrigal a shot do you just think the cubs front office basically says they don't see the potential for morell at third that's a great question. I feel like last year, Morel was a little bit of an afterthought and or the organization just didn't see it, that everything that goes into playing third base, there were just kind of questions on multiple levels on like, can Morel do this at a really high level every day? right away and now nick madrigal to his credit you know transformed himself into a capable defensive third baseman last year that was impressive uh, last last offseason i should say um that he put in the work on the front end um but obviously with him you don't have the power that comes with morell's game and also their injury questions so this is my, maybe not a morell specific answer but i do wonder sometimes of like when a player is in an organization for such a long time that maybe there are um, thoughts or ideas about what a player can and cannot do. And maybe yeah. another organization would have uh, a different perspective. So um, all I know is that like Christopher Morrell has, you know, a combination of skills that is really hard to find. Uh, he brings great energy. Uh, he's an entertainer uh, and has a, 
great attitude uh, about things. So I think all of those factors means we're probably going to hear his name in trade rumors up until wherever he reports to spring training. I agree. Uh, well, one of the reasons that this team had just such an epic collapse at the end of the year was the bullpen injuries seemed like a lot of overuse potentially. Uh, they were putting on a clink for how to blow a save by the end of the year. Um, what do you think the front office does this off season with this bullpen? It's been very much like, let's get the bargain deals the last few mm. years. Let's get the veterans that maybe are trying to make a comeback. Do you think Hoyer gets a little bit more serious about getting a premium guy? Uh, I don't think he's going to give like Josh Hader uh, a five-year, hundred million dollar contract. That is very far outside his comfort zone and kind of what he views as a good allocation of resources. Uh, I do think he's softened a little bit in terms of saying, "Hey, maybe, maybe that two-year deal does make a little more sense, even if it's not our first preference." But maybe paying for some security, some know-how, some experience uh, isn't the worst idea. But generally speaking, I do think a big part of this is going to be one going with volume. Like you're not going to bat a thousand on this, but say if you sign five or six guys between the one-year deals, the minor league deals, waiver claim, you might get the next Julian Merriweather, you know, who was a guy mm -hmm. that no one was really talking about when that minor transaction was made. And then you have um, some of these prospects that we're talking about, not all of them are going to be major league starters. Um, part of what council and presumably uh, Tommy Hadovy and the pitching group post Craig Breslow will be discussing is like, how do we fill these innings and how do we set up guys to succeed? And I think that's going to be a really interesting question of, you know, I do think Craig council is really good at pushing those in-game buttons, but he'd be the first to say like having Devin Williams and uh, Josh Hader uh, makes you look a lot smarter. Like no one was asking him about, you know, why did you pitch Devin Williams in the ninth? Like, you know, <laughs> you, you don't, you know, David Ross was put in a position where he kind of had to wear uh, a lot of the issues that the Cubs had in pitching development years prior. And also, you know, some of the misfires on uh, relievers, last off season. So I think, uh, you know, a way to help counsel a way to win some of those close games, uh, would be investing in the bullpen in different ways for sure. If today were to start the season, uh, you'd have Justin Steele probably taking opening day after an amazing 2023. Uh, you got Kyle Hendricks and Jamison Tyon. Um, and then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot Javier Assad, you know, seems like he could fit a role there, but it feels like this team needs to get not only another starting pitcher, but a number one or number two kind of guy. And then there's still that question of potentially a fifth spot, especially if there's any injuries. So do you think they go internal for both of those external for both of those, a mixture of both? Where, where do you see the Cubs going in terms of starting pitching this off season? I mean, they're definitely looking for external solutions. Like, I don't, you know, expect them to win a bidding war for Yamamoto, but um, Marcus Stroman's decision to opt out opened up kind of $21 million that um, was devoted to the rotation. And, you know, I think they know that, you know, 
you can never have enough pitching. That's one of Jed Hoyer's like pet catchphrases that he often likes to repeat. Um, and, and I really think uh, what they're looking at is probably, you know, at least one established guy, more depth, and like knowing that, you know, asking Jordan Wicks or Javier Assad to throw two in the innings is not going to happen. And, you know, Kate Horton is super talented, but doesn't have a ton of experience. And, you know, um, whatever they line up in Arizona uh, when pitchers and catchers report is not going to be the group that leaves for opening day or that makes it to the all-star break, much less September. So I, I do think you can see um, multiple additions and also the council factor again of like, you know, someone like Hayden Wozneski who has talent has shown it in flashes. Like how do they kind of tap into that and get him to repeat um, those really nice moments over and over again and deploy him in the right spots and what, and what role there's just a lot of, unanswered questions that they'll be going over uh, this off season. Two more questions on that. You mentioned you don't see the Cubs winning a bidding war on Yamamoto, a big market team like this, especially one that's been talking to Otani. Where, where do you come from when you say you don't see them winning a bidding war on him? Um, I, I would just say that if you look now, Otani may wind up being, the exception because he's kind of this unicorn. I'm setting him aside that if you want Otani, you have to be prepared to do whatever it takes. Sure. I think if you just look at last year's shortstop class, like who did the Cubs sign and, and on what terms? And it wasn't whatever, a 13 year deal. Um, you know, Dansby's Swanson's contract for them uh, was fairly rational. And I think that's how Jed Hoyer kind of approaches these things of where can the Cubs find value? Where can they find upside? Where can they limit their risk? And, you know, Yamamoto is another one too, where it's hard to decipher like what's misinformation, what's like, you know, good, hard reported information. Like he's another one who can kind of like name his price and his destination. And it is at least to me, not entirely clear, like, Oh, like he has to have the Cubs and he's going to have uh, a, a ton of great options and kind of, we'll, we'll see where, where he lands. So, you know, you look at these deals, right. Especially last year that were signed with uh, Bogarts and Turner and, you know, the Cubs are very happy. They don't have like a Steven Strasburg type of contract on their books. Right. Mm -hmm. But also this, this club in its entire history has never put in a contract of over $200 million. And it feels like this rationale mindset of calculated risk makes a lot of sense for the long run. But at some point you also have to kind of catch up to the market don't you and start making some calculated risks if you really want to get some of those big fish do you see jed hoyer and again taking otani and putting him to the side because he's a unicorn right do you do you see jed hoyer in the front office ever saying hey we've we've got to just take a big risk even if this ends up going the the wrong way for us 
Yeah, and I think they they kind of tiptoed towards that. Um, they did spend more than three hundred million dollars on free agents last offseason. Like, I don't think they thought Jamison Tyone was going to get whatever four and sixty eight. Like that was. Um, but to your point, that was more of like a mid range starter than you know a guy at the top of the market, and we saw this at uh, last season's trade deadline of them not wanting to go over the luxury tax threshold in part because of the baseball related penalties in terms of like the draft and bonus pools and the international market. And I, this is my read on the situation more than like hearing it directly, but I think that uh, concern has been downplayed at this point. And part of it last summer was they didn't really see that game changing talent to to do that because the financial penalties in terms of dollars are relatively minimal and and i think they are approaching that moment now where it would make a lot of sense to go back over uh the luxury tax threshold again and you know there are if you get some of these prospects that we've mentioned or others we haven't whether it's you matt shaw or Ben Brown, like if you have that base of young talent making, you know, close to the major league minimum, you can take more of those risks. And I also think the Cubs are getting farther and farther away from, you know, some of the moves that um, were, I don't know if I'd even say regret because, you know, Jose Quintana um, helped them get back to an NLCS. Jason Hayward helped them win a World Series. But I do think as you kind of cycle away from some of that, I I do think things kind of come back around to where um, you say, hey, sign John Lester too. I think that might have been the biggest deal in franchise history at that time. And then the next offseason, you top that uh, with a Hayward deal because he checked so many boxes that uh, they thought it was relatively low risk. You just kind of uh never know uh but we are at a time where there's a lot of uncertainty around baseball and 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 i do think the cubs are in a pretty like stable position to where they can make those decisions and take on uh, more risk to get some of that star level talent you need in october all right patrick before we log off here any other whispers trade rumors free agency talks that you're hearing about for the cubs uh that people want to hear about uh, I'm hearing some things. I'm not quite ready to uh, put it on the podcast yet because I don't. Okay. Uh, but I do think you know things are happening behind the scenes. I do think this. We've already seen some pitchers make decisions here. I think you know the winter meetings uh, will be a pretty good TV show. Uh, I think there'll be uh, a lot of action there. It won't be one of those like where people are standing around waiting for things to happen. Like I do think there'll be. Um, a flurry of activities and the Cubs, like we just talked about for the last, you know, 20 minutes or so are going to be in the middle of all that because they've created all these uh, opportunities and possibilities. Okay. Patrick Mooney, he's keeping his lips sealed on some of these deals that he's hearing. (laughs) But if you want to be one of the first to hear about any Cubs deals, make sure to check out Patrick on Twitter. Patrick, thanks for jumping on the Setup Man podcast with our side segment. Rumor has it to talk about the Chicago Cubs offseason. I appreciate you. 
You got it, Kyle. Take care.